0: Well, I lived my whole life thinking that Zardos was a terrible movie because when I watched it when I was like a a young lad, a teenager, I was like, none of this makes any sense. So wacky. It's all the costumes are crappy and like (laughs) nothing is all the conversations convoluted and everything. But, you know, after rewatching it this week, I think I might have changed my tune. You've been converted. I, I may have been converted. I may be a new follower of Zardos.
1: I wish I could have had that experience. Maybe I need to rewatch it. Like, <laughs> the first time you watch it, you're supposed to hate it. And then the second time, you kind of watch with a new view, new view on it.
0: You know, that, that could very well be true. Because I believe when this movie first came out, everyone's like, what is this? And nobody liked it. But it has become somewhat of a cult classic in some circles. <laughs> <laughs> I won't say a lot of circles or in a, a how, large how circle. How big is this cult? <laughs> well, you know, <laughs> how many like, points do you need to make a circle? You know, probably at least, I don't know, 10 people,
1: <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah, it's a very, very niche, small cult, but still a cult classic yeah. for those people. And, I, and I, I
0: also wouldn't say it's a very, like, passionate cult. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think anyone's like, I love Zardos. But this cult is kind of like the cult of, yeah, Sardos is all right. <laughs> I will defend its mediocrity. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, there you go.
1: Welcome back to another episode of Psi Minus Phi a movie club for science nerds, and science club for movie nerds. I'm your host, Christopher Stern. And I'm your host, Nathan Yim.
0: We like to talk about all things sci-fi. Every episode, we explore a new science fiction movie, um, new as in new to us, or a different one each week, and get
1: into a discussion about the science concepts present in the film. This episode, we are talking about the 1974 film, Zardos, written and directed by John Boorman, starring Sean Connery, Charlotte Rampling, John Alderton, Sarah Kestelman, and Niall Buggy? Who's Niall? Who does Niall Buggy play? He plays Zardos and Arthur Frayne. Oh,
0: yes. I mean, I love... I think it's like the first shot in this movie. Um, and it's like him talking to the camera. Because this is like... I'll admit, this part of the movie makes no sense to me. <laughs> Where he's just basically telling the audience that like... This is is all made up, (laughs) and this didn't actually happen. It's like, well, thanks. I didn't think that Zardos actually happened. Yeah,
1: that's a very weird and maybe polarizing intro. The funny thing is (laughs) that intro was added afterwards to kind of like make the movie make more sense. That is interesting, because I
0: feel like it had the opposite effect where it made less sense. Um, Also, I think maybe the only thing that made less sense than that intro... Is the facial hair on Zardos or Arthur Fane because it's just like drawn onto his face, and I wasn't sure if that was like an aesthetic choice or like supposed to look like an actual mustache and goatee, but it looks ridiculous. <laughs>
1: I think that might have been the aesthetic choice, but uh, it, it's just but ridiculous he- though. He's also the only character
0: in the entire movie or the only eternal like out of all the vortex who has this weird like tattoo facial hair. So it's not even like it's a it's a it's a point of fashion amongst that community. It's just that guy.
1: Yeah, everyone in in that community is just like, "Uh, he's doing it. He drew it on again?" Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. So wait, are 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 you are you
0: proposing that it's not like a tattoo and he <laughs> every day draws on a new mustache?
1: I think I am.
0: I think I am. Uh, you know, if you're an Eternal and you have all the time in the world, you know, you got
1: to find ways to entertain yourself. <laughs> so I wouldn't put it past that. Oh, for sure. But before we get too far into into the movie, I guess we should do a quick recap of what it's about.
0: Oh, and before we get into that, uh, we should give a quick thank you to hunter uh for suggesting this movie this week uh maybe maybe it's just me thanking you i don't know chris (laughs) i I will say thank you
1: too don't worry (laughs) thank you hunter (laughs) i always like watching new movies uh, or new movies to me (laughs) whether bad or good right yeah yeah just to see what there is and it's always fun
0: yeah and uh again uh we love hearing everyone's suggestions for movies to watch so uh if you have them, send them in so let's get to the recap.
1: All right, so Zardo's is a movie that takes place in the year 2293. It is one of many possible futures, we're told, in that opening (laughs) sequence. (laughs) Which doesn't mean anything. (laughs) Nope, as uh, maybe Mm -hmm. most of this film kind of (laughs) does. But the world is kind of this post-apocalyptic, kind of savage world. You have exterminators killing and enslaving others. And it's ruled by this floating stone head named Zardos. Uh, the stone head. He's like a god. He, he is their god. He speaks to them and comes down from the sky to tell them what he likes and wants them to do.
0: <laughs> what he likes? He's just like, man, I really liked the last episode <laughs> of like Fringe that I watched.
1: <laughs> yeah, you guys should watch it. <laughs> from like an ethical standpoint, what he likes. <laughs> i like uh, yes i like that guns are good so you should also like them uh, so sean connery plays an exterminator on this planet named zed who has been trained My name to kill is zed sorry i had to <laughs> oh i appreciate it don't worry one day he hides out in the floating head to find out more about his god and this floating head brings them to i guess like a world called the vortex where a community of mortals called Eternals live. These Eternals discover Zed and capture him and decide to study him. And as Zed learns more about this society that he kind of thought was his god, he kind of gets the urge to destroy this community when he gets the chance.
0: Yeah, because it's super weird because he also, when he goes into the head, he sees this dude just walking around in there and he shoots him. And he kind of starts piecing together that um, Zardos isn't like a real god and uh, that he's just kind of been using everyone in the, I don't know what they call it, like the outer lands or something, uh, where all the, the exterminators and the, the other people of the earth live. And Zardos, this floating head, has been like controlling them and controlling the population under the guise of being their god just to, for their own personal benefit.
1: Right. Right. Yeah, it's a very interesting movie in in some respects, <laughs> But uh, <laughs> I don't think it was necessarily for me, so I'll let you take it off and uh, you can well, start off.
0: <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. I will say like I did actually enjoy this movie uh more than I did when I first watched it. I think there's like actually a couple more interesting things in this that I didn't necessarily appreciate when I, I first saw it. One is that, you know, these Eternals or like in the Vortex. This is supposed to be society, perfect society that exists like 300 years in the future. And these people live forever. They can't die. They actually have this urge to die because, like, they're so bored and apathetic with life. And so, like, all the all the different parts that look super wacky or super silly, I think, actually help to reinforce, like... That this is the society that has has just diverged from what we know in our day to day lives as 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 normal. So like you look at their clothing and it's all like super super uh, different than what you'd see. Um, it's all very uh, unisex as well. Uh, the society itself is very asexual. Um, every single decision is like a democratic vote. It's, like, from the smallest thing to the biggest thing. They, they vote on, like, computing power for resources and stuff like that as well. Um, they, they talk in, like, the super quick, weird language that sounds like, I don't know, like, dolphins or, like, whispering or something, talking to each other. It's all very weird. And it seems very silly, but when you think about it, it's like, wow, like, I wonder what society would look like if people couldn't die and if all your needs were met in terms of food and, and, uh, and safety. And, uh, you know, if, if you only lived amongst like a couple hundred people or something for hundreds of years. And I, I think that's the part that kind of interested me about this, just like the one of possible futures.
1: (laughs) Yeah, that's, that's a cool take. Um, very insightful, I guess, because to me watching it, all of it was very weird. And I think, weird enough to a point that it just maybe turned me off completely. I'm like, this is too not my aesthetic and style that I'm like, kind of just bored watching it. But yeah, at the same time because it's so different uh, as a society, I guess there is that element of how far removed it is from from where we are now.
0: I, I mean, I will say I did feel bored at
1: a bunch of parts in this movie.
0: I think one, because like the characters all just talk super slowly and they're like, ah, the tabernacle is everlasting and indestructible. And also like they just throw in so much fluff and like so much, I don't know. It, it's very convoluted the way that they get to the plot, essentially like in a nutshell, the immortals Um, you you find out that and spoilers. Uh, so if, if you want to watch this without spoilers, you should stop this now and go watch it. But you find out that there's this guy named Arthur Frayne who has been, uh, like posing as this god Zardos to control the outer wilds, uh, or the the outer lands, uh, and breed them selectively to eventually create Zed, who's Sean Connery's character, who can come and like liberate the Eternals because the Eternals are so bored, and he's essentially like this this resistance guy undercover, who's using his power of like being Zardos to to essentially bring down the establishment and change the status quo because they're just so bored with life and it's just nothing has happened uh, in their society and they're just stagnant.
1: Yeah, it's interesting that, I guess that's the plot, but the way they show it and go about it, you follow Zed and he doesn't really know, you don't know really what's going on with him. I think that maybe is what made it, difficult or inaccessible uh for for me at least to watch
0: yeah that that's a good point like he's kind of you you don't really know what's going on in his head because he doesn't speak a lot in this movie either um they there's scenes where they talk about how he's like actually genetically superior and you don't know if he is smarter than he comes off or if he is just kind of like uh they call the exterminators brutals as well um, but then in a series of flashbacks, you find out that he's read, like, every book in this library, so it has all the knowledge of the world, <laughs> and so he's actually, like, a pretty well-read guy.
1: <laughs> but Yeah, he doesn't uh, show that at all <laughs> until that flashback. Yeah,
0: yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I guess uh, overall, like, I-, I-, I dig, like, the overall story, but the way that it's executed is, like it's very roundabout and it's it's confusing to watch and it's hard to follow. Um, but I think the, the, the base ideas were pretty
1: interesting. Yeah, that's fair. I know when you yeah, when you pull out those base ideas, um, you have like the eternals and within their society I know they have uh like the apathetics or the people who kinda of have stopped caring so much that yeah, life is too boring for them. And then you have like these renegades who are older, kind of almost senile people who don't conform at all to what society wants, and so they've been kind of cast out. Uh, And having these sort of symbols, I guess, was kind of interesting, and how that maybe relates to society now, even, like, some people who are young are maybe apathetic and don't want to do anything because they feel powerless, and to younger generations, like, the older individuals might seem a little crazy, uh, and I think there is some maybe some symbolism there, but
0: yeah, that, that is interesting. I, I could see there being uh, some parallels there uh, for sure. Um, I, I think it's also worth mentioning like um, the, t- the science topic that we wanted to talk about today was immortality. I, that's like one of the the big themes in this movie. And I think this movie kind of uses that that classic trope of immortality actually being a curse think like when you first hear it it's like oh yeah being immortal would be the best but it's it's actually like a bad thing and like no one would actually want to be living forever and uh, I think the the thing that this movie does a little differently than maybe others is that you can also age and so uh, like the renegades they're all old and kind of senile and uh, their quality of life is worse even though they are immortal and so like uh uh even in the movie the punishment for crimes against, like, I don't know, this perfect society, it's not done in terms of, of years served in prison or anything like that, but they actually just add age to you. And so they'll age you 50 years or, or 10 years or whatever, depending on the severity of your crime.
1: So I'm going to ask you, this movie, like in the start, in that opening monologue, they talk about uh, Andrew Frain's like, oh, this is a story rich in irony and most satir- satirical and I was kind of wondering like okay well what is the movie satirizing uh, do you think it's satirizing immortality or is it something else about religious institutions and maybe current kind of government and huh oh, that's that's
0: a really good question i actually i don't even remember him saying that so i hadn't even thought about that but um i wonder i i almost consider it uh like a um what's the word i'm looking for I, I i almost consider this movie like a commentary on on class structure as well and how um essentially like the the majority of the world is being oppressed by by zardos and the exterminators while this handful of people are living like you know the top one percent they're mortal um and so i i would say if it's a satire of anything it could be a satire of of just our our class structure or our societal structure that we have uh, today in the real world.
1: Okay. That's fair enough. What about you? I I think because I was so alienated <laughs> from this film, <laughs> these were sort of questions that I had, like, yeah, what is it satirizing? What's this movie, if anything, trying to say about us as, like, a species, as humanity? Um, and I never really came up with too many answers. Um, it was just yeah, maybe too off-putting for me, but it seems like, at least to you, you found some deeper things than uh, than I did.
0: <laughs> but who knows if it uh, does <laughs> actually hold any water.
1: I, it sounds reasonable to me. I'll, let you. I'll admit that.
0: What, uh, what, what kind of themes would you say are in this
1: movie? I think theme-wise, I'm starting to kind of lean toward what you're what you're saying and yeah talking about immortality and what that does to people um maybe the importance of death to some degree
0: yeah yeah i i think that's totally a big one just life and death in general and kind of like what gives life meaning if if not death
1: yeah yeah if you could live forever then what what do you do with your time so and there's a lot of stuff there. And yeah, I think when you're talking about kind of class struggle, just any oppressive government or uh, group of people, I guess there's a bit of a theme there with how oppression works and how it can, can be used as a tool. Yeah, that's true.
0: I would also say there is, um, th- this is probably not the primary focus of the movie, but I feel like there's a lot of nature versus nurture Uh, as an underlying theme uh, in this movie. You get a lot of like, you know, the Eternals are all technologically superior and like uh, they've built all this technology that makes their life so good. But then you also have the Brutals who are like, literally their costumes are like a red bikini and an ammo belt, which I feel like is really trying to dig into the point that like these Brutals are just animals or just people like surviving with their basic instincts and violence uh and so that's kind of like the the nature side and it's um just kind of breaking through to to like how what we do and uh and how technology shapes our our thoughts and, and our society definitely
1: yeah it'll be interesting to talk about technology on uh the science discussion and how that can help us maybe achieve immortality if that's our goal yeah I do want to say this in terms of watching this movie. Uh, I almost felt like some like person from like an untouched civilization having first contact watching this movie. Because oh, uh, interesting! You see this like strange man, red diaper, weird hair, uh, <laughs> and it's as if he's like trying to tell me something. But the words and everything don't make any sense. <laughs> and I'm like <laughs> Timmy stuck in a well? <laughs> yeah, I'm like trying to interpret it like I, I don't get it. But <laughs> like <laughs> Yeah.
0: There there was a lot of that. Like for sure. Like there's there's so many lines that just like weren't unnecessary. Like when they said, well, maybe this was that maybe this does lead more into like, you know, how they might have changed over time, but I like the part where they said Eternals don't sleep like they've achieved total consciousness. So they only do second level meditation, which I'm like, that just sounds like good sleep. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't know. It's basically sleep. This, this is totally unrelated, but I also just wanted to ask you if you also thought that the that the character friend just looked like Paul McCartney.
1: I, I don't think I saw that. No.
0: Oh, man. The whole time I'm like, this is just Paul McCartney running around with Sean Connery. Wouldn't that be a friendship? friendship? Yeah, it was also kind of confusing that his name was Friend. Because I was like, are they just calling him Friend? Or is his actual name Friend? But that was his actual character name. I feel like this movie didn't have the budget to to achieve what the director wanted to yeah
1: it might have been like a time thing as well like the time period obviously it's from the 70s and uh, i do think there's an aesthetic in movies of that era like i'm thinking of like planet of the apes and another maybe similarly alienating film called a boy and his dog which production value wise look kind of similar uh yeah but yeah, and like there are these sci-fi films that take place years and years into the future that maybe should look a bit better. For for comparison,
0: also, so the budget for this film was around one and a half million USD. Uh, it came out three years before Star Wars: A New Hope, which had a budget of eleven million USD. So it was it was almost like around you know ten percent of the budget of of that, which is another movie that's you know very futuristic and has big special effects.
1: Right, and. I think these movies like Star Wars or even 2001, which came out five years before this, I think, they live on because they're kind of the top of their, their field. or the yeah. best of the best. And so it's almost maybe unfair to compare it that way, where it's like... Yeah, for sure. Yeah, these ones look spectacular. What, why couldn't they do the same? Like, well, <laughs> yeah, budget would be a factor for sure. and But I do there were a few things I did appreciate. Like I think a few sequences in the film. Um, There's like when they're projecting stuff onto people's bodies and like the black room. So you only see like the images on the people's bodies. That was kind of cool. And I think the mirror scene toward the end, it might've gone on a bit too long, but it was just (laughs) kind of, I like seeing it and uh, just, it's interesting to see, I think how the mirrors work with a camera and, Yeah, hiding where people are, exactly. That scene kind of reminded me,
0: I forget which Bruce Lee movie it was. Was it like Return of the Dragon or another one where there's like a house of mirrors at the end, essentially, and he's running through it. And and that did remind me of that.
1: Yeah, we need more movies with mirrors.
0: Oh, yeah, 100%. Except like it too is kind of scary. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah,
1: I think maybe we can talk about some immortality and what we think about that and where we're going.
0: Yeah, let's do it. Um, I think, you know, immortality, it's got to be like one of the oldest ideas out there just because it
1: defies the ultimate fate for all of us, which is death, Right. you know? Yeah, I guess if there's one thing that does define maybe the human condition is that we're going to die. There's a limited amount of time you have on this earth. So why can't we stop that?
0: Yeah, and I, and, and I think that has been... I wouldn't say the primary focus but it's probably been like a goal of medicine forever which is not necessarily living forever but um avoiding death you know right
1: like i guess if we think about the things that cause death you have disease physical injury um, and aging are kind of the three main things and medicine has definitely helped fight disease Uh, even physical injury like that won't be as bad anymore um you can definitely get healed and uh kind of live a high quality of life with a with a physical injury of some sort
0: yeah so so is um i guess like also we we might want to break down immortality into like different categories because i feel like in movies or in 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 works of fiction uh it's it's kind of considered in different ways or or like the how it works differs across various, various things. So there's, like... I, I'm just going to list list a couple of options, right? There's, like, in Zardos, for example, they're immortal in the sense that they can still get, like, killed from physical injury, but then they're reborn uh, to be the same self. And uh, they don't age unless, like, you know, they're they're punished with aging. So it's kind of like this non-aging immortality type of thing. There's also, like... I've seen in other movies, you're immortal, but you still get older and older. So your quality of life is, is not great, but you're still technically alive. Um, there's like just being invulnerable. Like, I don't know if Superman can die of old age or anything, but essentially like you can't be injured. You can't grow any older, but you're an immortal. Um, and then there's like, I guess the, the question of physical immortality versus like something that's metaphysical. So you know, if you're not in your human form, but you continue to live on in some form, uh, would that be considered immortality? Like you know, the soul, for example, or um, if you were to upload your brain to a computer, right. Uh, right? You know, does that constitute immortality?
1: Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think they're all different, all different ways of kind of solving the same problem or looking at that same problem, right?
0: Yeah. So with that um I guess just the the question on my mind right because I'm looking to to get a little healthier in my life right so I want to ask you Chris, how do we actually achieve this
1: <laughs> uh-huh so when I was looking into immortality uh, looking at the things that cause death like disease physical injury yeah. and aging two of the three are getting better they're sort of the kind of quote unquote easy to solve um, kind of problems and right now i think the general sentiment would be aging is the biggest factor or the hardest problem to solve with this in this challenge and that's
0: of the three that's the only one that's like internal to our ourselves right like disease has to come from somewhere external Uh, physical injury obviously same thing
1: Yeah, you just got to wear a helmet and be safe (laughs) when doing stuff. But aging, yeah, that affects us and other species, but it doesn't necessarily affect every species. Yeah, there's this thing called biological immortality, and it's when increasing age does not seem to increase or even decreases the rate of mortality of the organism so, so what? C- could you explain like what the
0: rate of mortality is, or like how how do we measure that?
1: So that would be like, it would be the I guess amount uh, of people who like die, or your chance, like the chances of death, I guess, after a certain age. So, oh, gotcha. If you think of people, there's, um, like once you're sixty, every so every number of years you age, increases your chance of dying by a certain percent. Right. So yeah, it's like. Um, if you can stop that or there are species that exist that um, the older they get that doesn't seem to affect the rate of death and so they're the way that they would die would only be through kind of physical injury or or something else
0: Mm. is this is this something that's exclusive to other animals or can humans one day achieve this level of of you know no increased rate of mortality
1: That is the hard problem to solve, I think, right? Ah, That seems seems (laughs) all right. (laughs) Like, if we can look at some organisms that don't seem to age or that seem to be able to live very long.
0: Mm -hmm.
1: And so I was looking up hydras. They're like these small aquatic organisms. They have like a tubular body and some wavy arms at the top. And they appear not to age, like, at all.
0: Like inflatable tube men?
1: Yes, exactly. And Very I, nice. I think they kind of just wave in the water, right? <laughs>
0: <laughs> they're they're placed outside little like car dealerships
1: underwater. <laughs> exactly. SpongeBob would know them for sure. Okay, nice, nice. But yeah, they can possibly live forever, because as far as we can tell, they don't have um yeah, age is not a factor in in their mortality rate.
0: I so I was I i read something about Hydras where they have like a set of Fox O genes. I'm not exactly sure um what the specific function of these genes are but uh they seem to prevent that aging process and when we talk about kind of aging it's like um and, and this i'm definitely not an expert on this uh subject but my understanding is like you know as as cells get old or cells get damaged you know you, you have to you have to uh duplicate the cell um and then make new ones And every time you actually divide the cell and, and make a new one, uh, it kind of, uh, it it takes a little bit off of the, the chromosome, um, off the ends and there's like these telomeres and, um, for humans, you know, we only have this kind of set expiration date on all of our cells because they can only divide a certain number of times. Um, but I believe for, for things like the Hydra, uh, this doesn't happen for some reason.
1: Yeah, I know telomeres are one factor that is seen as like a possible um, either cause or possibly a symptom of aging.
0: Oh, interesting. So so I, I'm not sure if that's then specific to hydras um, or, or if it's some other process that actually uh, prevents aging for them.
1: Yeah, I could see it definitely being genetic.
0: Do you know of... Uh... Any of the other animals that uh, can live forever or quote unquote forever?
1: Well, I'm not sure about forever, but uh, there were a few things that I saw. Like there's a glass sponge that has been found or the skeleton of a glass sponge. Oh. That was found, I think, in Southeast Asia and kind of the oceans around there. And they they looked at it measuring water temperature changes. They could look at it through its skeleton and they could, I guess, analyzing some sort of samples underneath the water they could find like the water temperatures of that area and wow. they were able to determine that this glass sponge had lived for over ten thousand years. Wow. Yeah. Ten thousand so a single organism of this uh sponge did that. And there are some corals and trees even that live to be over four thousand years old. That's crazy. Yeah, trees that, that that's that's true as well.
0: One that was interesting actually was lobsters. Lobsters can actually repair their DNA indefinitely, and they get bigger and bigger. But the problem uh, that they run into is that when they get bigger, they have to molt and then create a new shell. But actually creating that shell takes energy and more energy, the bigger the shell has to be. So eventually they just get exhausted creating these new shells and they die of exhaustion. Um, but when it comes to actually like aging, they can, uh, they can just avoid that by continuously repairing the DNA
1: okay so in terms of exhaustion do they actually not like they kind of starve themselves
0: it's a good question i'm not sure exactly uh what happens at the end whether it's like they just don't have the energy to make a shell so they die from a predator eating them or something or if uh they try to do it and use up all their energy and then starve
1: yeah because what this kind of makes you think of is there these other potential causes of aging that we look at and One is called oxidative stress.
0: Mm.
1: So oxidative stress is damage that's caused to DNA uh, by, or DNA proteins and lipids by oxidants. So these are like reactive molecules containing oxygen. And we produce these things every day as we breathe. But Mm. the buildup of this damage over time uh, from oxidative stress can cause like many age-related conditions. So antioxidants are good? Yes. <laughs> uh, they they exposed worms to antioxidants, which neutralized these things, and it helped them live longer. Interesting. Yeah, I was wondering if maybe it was something like oxidative stress or this other process called glycation that maybe affected that exhaustion that you kind of mentioned. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I, I'm not
0: sure, but that um, that, that is, that's fascinating. I think um, the last type of uh, living thing that i I saw that uh achieved you know this some sort of immortality was this kind of jellyfish it's called uh turatopsis dorni i probably pronounced that incorrectly Uh, but it can actually revert to a previous stage in its life cycle and uh i think this happens in like periods of stress or like um you know uh if their life is at stake they like essentially revert into this um, sexually immature phase of their life, and then just can continue doing that
1: indefinitely. I'm trying to think of another animal that would have definitive like life cycles or something. Where would it be like a frog turning back into a tadpole, or yeah. a butterfly like re remaking? Um, what is it like a a pod, a cocoon? Yeah,
0: that's actually uh, the example that came with it when I was looking this up. Was it would be like a butterfly becoming. Uh, A caterpillar again. Or I guess like a person becoming prepubescent. Man, that (laughs) would... I don't think I'd want to go back.
1: (laughs) Go through puberty again? No, thank you. (laughs) No, thank you. (laughs) I think
0: kind of on the... uh, Less so on the actual immortality side of things, but more on just like the extending your life type of things. Um, There's a bunch of uh, different uh, insight that, that I found, uh, online when I was looking into that. One is that there's this theory that, um, having like a tight budget for food energy or like a caloric restriction, um, can actually lead to living longer. Um, it's like something to do with a lower metabolism and that, uh, I guess aging use lower. Uh, I'm not sure exactly the, the process behind that. I
1: think that could also have to do with glycation, which, um, mm. Apparently, when glucose binds to our DNA, proteins and lipids, uh, it can also cause them to be unable to do their jobs. And glucose is the main source of our energy. Right? Oh, like, I, I think a lot of anything we eat, we kind of transform into glucose. Um, and so that can actually, that does damage our cells. So as we, get, as we age, it kind of gets worse. But if you reduce the amount of calories you're, you're taking in, then you obviously wouldn't have that damage being done as much. Yeah.
0: They, they found in a study that uh, mice that they restricted calorically actually doubled in lifespan, which is crazy. It's like if I go on a diet, I can live to
1: 200. Um, just don't eat all that food on your plate anymore. <laughs> oh, man. But I'm I'm, I'm hungry. I, I feel that. I'm, I try to, to diet sometimes. It's like, I just can't stop eating.
0: <laughs> there was a. There's also a study of humans who lived to be over 100 years old, uh, that showed a link between um, their longevity and decreased thyroid activity. Um, so that could be uh, kind of more evidence in that direction. Interesting. There is. Um, there is maybe one one thing to clarify also when we talk about like life expectancy, and and medicine and how it affects it. And I think that's kind of. Uh, distinguishing between life expectancy of, of a species or a population versus like the maximum lifespan of that population. I think everyone kind of grows up hearing that, you know, since the I don't know 1600s uh, when life expectancy used to be like 30 years old, um, it's gotten way better since then. But a lot of that um, is because infant mortality was so high back then, disease and wars, uh, it killed people young. And so uh, the average lifespan was super low. But if you actually made it to adulthood, I think um, by and large, um, we've been living pretty long. Like a, we, we haven't super extended our maximum lifespan uh, in, in the past couple hundred years. I think with, with modern medicine and being able to, to fight a number of different diseases, um, we definitely have uh, increased chances of survival or decreased mortality rate. But um, not by not not like doubling it or anything.
1: Yeah, I think you're, you're spot on there where if you could get past a certain age threshold, like then your chances of living to like a ripe old age was much higher. Yeah. And yeah, that's only gotten better as we've improved kind of medicine, public health efforts and and all that.
0: I think I read that John Adams, the second president of the United States, lived to be 90, which is like pretty old for back then.
1: (laughs) Yeah, we like to think it is at least, but yeah. So in terms of, I guess, immortality and trying to live forever, I've looked into a few different kind of methods for achieving this, or if not achieving this, how you can if you were an individual, how you might go about trying to to become immortal.
0: Yep. I'm listening.
1: Yeah, well, it brought me into a few different things. And I'll talk about the almost cop-out version first, <laughs> which is funny <laughs> to me, which All is right. uh, cryonics. Oh, yeah. So, the, like, the idea of freezing yourself. Um, because, well, we don't know how to solve this problem now. And so, if I freeze myself, then they can unfreeze me in the future and then I can live forever once they've solved those problems.
0: That's crazy. I mean, like, it'd be cool to do cryonics, not to live forever, but just to be able to see the future. Like, you die, and then you wake up, and it's like a thousand years later. But uh, as far as I know, it's also really expensive <laughs> to, to have your body frozen. And I'm sure it's expensive to keep you frozen uh, constantly, forever.
1: Yeah, I think because the process itself is very specialized. You have to use, like, very low temperatures of sub, uh, like, negative 130 degrees Celsius. I think you have to freeze the brain at least and whatever else you're going to freeze with it, whether it's the body, very quickly and avoid any ice damage to the tissue. Mm. And there's no guarantee that we could unfreeze it and, yeah, actually, like, reanimate this body. Um, So, Yeah. yeah, right now you actually, you do have, like, clinical death and then you're frozen and... It's like, maybe you'll be able to wake up one day, but we don't really know.
0: I guess if you're a billionaire and you believe that death is the end and the last stop, it's kind of like, might as well.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Funded through your trust or something like, you could do yeah. it.
0: All right. What are the other ways?
1: Have you ever heard of the transhumanism movement? Hmm. It sounds familiar, but please. So this is actually kind of what the Eternals were to some degree
0: Mm.
1: or what we might see become the Eternals because there's a philosophical and kind of social movement that's been happening since the sixties where a group of people are trying to kind of seek enhancement of the human condition. So how do we make humans as a species better? How can technology be applied to improve the quality of life all around? And their idea is that one day there will be like a new intelligent species that replaces humans or Homo sapiens. And this could either be like an advanced evolved human species. It could be technological, um, or it could just be something else.
0: Hmm.
1: Yeah. I think the idea is that um, we kind of take care of everyone. We advance, we improve quality of life and yeah, eventually the species can become better as a whole. And this could potentially like longer lifespans maybe that we figure out kind of biological immortality through like genetic engineering or something Um, yep we could do like directed evolution Mm.
0: yeah it it does sound similar to to what they do in zardos with the eternals although they 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 in zardos as we know they don't like it (laughs) after after getting to that state of equilibrium
1: yeah and i guess that's a question that comes up of like What happens if we could live forever? Uh, Yeah. Right? The context of this movie. There's the psychological thing of these individuals who live forever. And I think you mentioned earlier stagnation. Yeah. Uh, And yeah, that could definitely be something. Because if you can live forever, then the idea of like breeding and reproduction would kind of have to stop. Right? If we have 8 billion people on earth right now. Yep. And I looked up like the growth rate is 1.8 percent per year if we continued that then 40 years from now we've doubled uh eight, 80 years we'd have 32 billion people on the planet yikes um, and that's just not sustainable right uh, yeah we don't have the resources and so at some point you have to restrict the population um and so it's the same people uh same resources they where does the kind of the growth come from how does the economy kind of work how to Uh, how does society function or all these kind of big questions you have to figure out yeah no definitely that being said maybe there are other ways like uh, to live forever we you mentioned the singularity uh, like technological immortality where Mm. you upload your brain and i think this is an idea that transhumanists have it's also something the cryonists kind of think could be a possibility (laughs) where they'll wake me up and then i can upload my brain to a computer right 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 um and that that kind of interests me because we talked about it before where uh you upload your brain let's just assume it's the same person like we don't have to kind of get into the metaphysical aspect there but yeah then you've kind of created a different type of life right it's life with extra steps um where now you have to protect this digital version of yourself so data corruption uh how is the power uh how does the power get generated and how do you make sure that it stays on i guess the whole time
0: yeah well would you consider it immortality if you had this digital copy of yourself and then you just made copies
1: i think that could be a form of it why not
0: yeah because i guess like for the individual their consciousness might cease being but you know, they would still be in the world, interacting with the world.
1: Yeah, I guess I didn't want to get too much into like the metaphysical part of yeah, it. Yeah, but... yeah, yeah, it's <laughs> probably, probably
0: best to, to not dive in right now.
1: Yeah, but hypothetically, if it is um, just the same individual, then I think the idea of like digital life as making people immortal is a, an, an interesting thing. And yeah, what does digital life look like is a, a whole nother question.
0: Yeah, it, it's, it's interesting. It does tie a little bit into Zardos again because something that we didn't really mention was this whole society is kind of run by this, this super powerful AI, <laughs> which like probably also didn't have to be like in this movie to, to make the whole plot work. But uh, it's this AI called the Tabernacle and the people who built it like used the power to, to forget how they built it or how to destroy it or something like that. And uh, like you can consider that thing is like a living thing that's also immortal. And so I I think it does, you know, immortality does come in different shapes and sizes, um, at least in in science fiction.
1: Yeah, that's super interesting. But who knows if we'll ever actually get there, right? Immortality is a big problem to solve. Well, if we freeze ourselves, we can find out. (laughs) We could. Or... Maybe we should just kind of focus on extending life, right? Yeah. We might not stop death, but how we, can we prolong it, right? And some people have lived to be 100, I think 14, 15 might be the oldest I can remember or can think of. But can we have a good quality of life to be 150 if we change how we do things? There there is,
0: I'm glad you mentioned quality of life as well, because I think um, in my opinion, you know, living a really long time uh, isn't as important as living uh, a long time in, in good health or, or with high quality of life. And so, you know, maybe we shouldn't just be focused on, on you know, pushing that number up of how many years you've, you've been conscious on this earth, but, you know, how many years you've been conscious and uh, are in, you know, good health. Right.
1: Yeah. It's what can you do in that time? Essentially, that's maybe more important if you can enjoy life can you do the things you want and um yeah if you're trapped maybe to a bed or something you can't really get out and do things um that's not necessarily uh, the highest quality of life that people would want to have for the last 30 40 years of their life right yeah yeah I was going to say, on that sunny note,
0: <laughs> was, was, there any, uh, was there anything else uh, that you wanted to discuss?
1: I don't have anything else that uh, that really came out or comes to mind. What about you?
0: Uh, no, I, I think we, we covered it a lot. Um, overall, uh, give Zardos another shot. <laughs> Let me know if your opinion changes on it. Uh, I think it'll hold... I won't say a special place in my heart, but it'll it'll hold a place in my heart.
1: <laughs> <laughs> just somewhere in there. That somewhere. Knows. Yeah. <laughs> I think you've definitely given me a lot to kind of think about on a rewatch. Um, yeah, I, I, some films are... I think you do need to have a bit of context and a bit of background before going into them. And this is definitely one of them where without knowing anything, it's just like... Yeah, it's alienating right from the start, but having the ideas of like okay let's focus on what they talk about for immortality and uh, maybe class and, and societal structures then you you have something to kind of think about and appreciate more yeah 100% thanks for the insight and, <laughs> and making this kind of a bit of a maybe better experience than just watching it on my own
0: <laughs> well no it, it's good to have the unbiased the raw view for sure For sure. And there's no, there's no, you know, there's no right interpretation.
1: Yeah. So, yeah, I guess thank you to you. And yeah, thank you to Hunter for recommending again.
0: Well, thank you. And uh, thanks to Hunter as well. Um, And thank you, everybody, for listening. Um, If you enjoyed the show, please share the show with your friends and follow us on social media. We are at Fiction on Twitter and at Phi on Facebook and Instagram. We're also simonisfye at gmail.com where you can send us your suggestions for future episodes or anything that you want us to watch. Also happy to hear any other feedback that you might have on the show. Um, I got to go draw on a new mustache uh, for today. Um, I've been meaning to do that for a little while and Zardos has given me the the push that I needed.
1: I can't wait to see it. So uh, until next time, I'm Christopher Stern. And I'm Nathan Yim. Hold on to your butts. (music)